everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies today. Resident Evil. But before we get to that, like I said, we're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. We're going to get to our green hits. Danny, what is this, Jay, that you brought for me today? Tyler, I brought a surprise strain, being that it's no surprise that we've done this before and had it several times. So with that being said, I went by Flower, picked up a six-pack of, guess what, some silver tip. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you give all the information then, because guess what you got in your mouth? Oh, yeah. Just, Just the tip. The tip. <laughs> All right, so with that being said, we have brought this over several times, but if this is your first time listening and you've never heard us talk about it, this particular strain is also known as just silver tip because it's a sativa dominant hybrid crossed with the granddaddy purple in super silver haze strains. So with that being said, it is a sativa dominant over at Flower. It has a nice little terpene profile too. It's like 2.4% roughly. Linalool comes in at about 0.25% roughly. Myrcene's in there a little bit. Limonene, of course, is up there about 0.8%. Pinene at about 0.68%. A little bit of humulene, a little bit of karyophyllene. I like it. It's a uh, crowd favorite mm-hmm. <laughs> here at the show. Like I said, we've had it several times. I know it's arguably your favorite strain. So Yeah. I would, I, I would say it's still my favorite. Okay. I, I haven't beaten any that for, you know, ran into any lately that for sure beat it out, but. Yeah, I know. I also um, haven't really thought about it like that in a bit, though, too, so. Yeah, I know what you're saying. There's there's strains alike. It's just, it's hard to, you know, what's my top three? What's my top five? I can tell you something that I like, mm-hmm. you know, but it's hard to, I don't know, quantify them, I suppose. But uh, some of the flavor notes along with the aroma notes, your flavors are going to be berry, pine, and sweet, and aromas are diesel, earthy, pine, and sweet, so. Just like any other strain, you're going to be uplifted. It's going to give you some creative outlets. You'll feel energized, happy, and uplifted. So this is a good daytime strain and just trying to get shit done strain. It's a good all the time strain. <clears throat> no, I totally agree. Totally agree. <clears throat> yeah, like I said, I, I brought the same thing. I still had some leftover from this weekend that I'd been smoking on. and No, I like it too, man. It's it's a classic. I like the purple strain. Super Silver Haze is awesome, so... We'll say next time around, I'm going to hope to bring in something different because I did notice that a new dispensary opened up mm. also rather close to my place. So that's ideal. We'll see. Right. Yeah. We're going to go find out. All right. Nice. I'm really curious about it. The building is tiny. <laughs> it's like a two room building. Okay. So we're going to see how they're doing there. Nice. Anyway. I just want to remind everybody to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. At the lowest level, you could have been listening to this last week. At the highest level, you could be on the Discord chatting with us. And in that sweet spot in the middle, you start getting all the Patreon-only episodes. Uh, we've been doing lookbacks on our on the, all the movies we've covered, starting from the beginning, <laughs> coming forward. Some of these movies we haven't watched in like six years. It's been real interesting going back, getting fresh fresh eyes, stoned eyes on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Glazed slitty eyes. eyes on them. <laughs> Super slitty eyes. Yep. Because that's us, some slitty boys. That's what we do. <laughs> but yeah, patreon.com slash fried squirms. Go check that out. We would really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. We're going to be doing them anyway, so. Yeah. You jump might as on well board. Go, go jump on board. But for this time, I think uh, it's time to get into the guts and bolts of 2002's Resident Evil. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, who and what went into the making of this flick, spoiler-free. 
I start off with a spoiler-free setup if you don't know what you're getting into with this movie. If you're just listening to the episode and being like, the fuck is a Resident Evil? What is that? Well, here it is. Loosely based on the Capcom video game franchise. Oh, God. How do I do a spoiler-free setup for this movie? A gal with amnesia has to help infiltrate an underground facility to find out what the hell's going on and evil AI and shenanigans and zombies happen. <laughs> yeah, without spoiling anything, right? Right? So that's it, right? Anyway, what were you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so from week to week, we do like to talk about our cast and crew. And this week, we've actually talked about this director before. He's also the writer on this particular film. But I am talking about Paul W.S. Anderson. And the reason we've talked about him before, we had our friend Justin over. And we talked about him back on episode 62 when we reviewed Event Horizon. A lot of fun. He's also the director of such films as Mortal Kombat. He's directed Alien vs. Predator, the film Death Race, The Three Musketeers, Pompeii, and Monster Hunter. All right, we have cinematographer David Johnson. A few films of note from him. He's done Alien vs. Predator. He's also a part of Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. He helped on Resident Evil Extinction. He helped on Adele's Someone Like You. Also in the television series Deception back in 2018 and Yellowstone back in 2019. I mean, we have editor Alexander Berner. A few films of note from him. He edited Alien vs. Predator. film I highly recommend is actually a song by Nirvana as well because they were influenced by the novel. But that film is Perfume, the story of a murderer. It's a really good film. He also helped edit The Three Musketeers, the film Cloud Atlas, and Jupiter Ascending. All right, we have music composed by Marco Beltrami and Marilyn Manson. I'll start with Marco first. <laughs> I know. So we've actually talked about Marco quite a few times. We've talked about him way back on episode 19 when we reviewed Scream. Talked about him on episode 97 for Joyride, episode 193, The Faculty, and episode 218, which was Mimic. He's done a slew of films, like seven Wes Craven films. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I could take a look at a few, but, man, he's done a lot of cool stuff. Just a few things of a note, I guess, outside of that. Like, let's see... Dracula 2000? Yeah. <laughs> no, he did Hellboy. Oh, we still need to do that at some point. Yeah. Um, let's see. Underworld Evolution, 310 to Yuma, Max Payne. That shouldn't be surprised. The Hurt Locker, Jonah Hex, Snowpiercer, which is really cool. The Wolverine, which is neat. The Hitman, Fantastic Four. Yeah, so he's done a ton of stuff. Still doing stuff, too. Mm -hmm. That includes television. He did all three of those Fear Street films that came out on Netflix. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, so I was like, that's really cool. All right, we have a lot of special effects teams. Don't really want to go through them all, <laughs> but uh, there's like 10 different teams on it because it's a collaboration yeah. of United Kingdom, United States, and Germany, so there's a lot of different mm -hmm. companies on board. Mm -hmm. All right, with that being said, this was produced by Paul W.S. Anderson, Jeremy Bolt, Bernd Eichinger, Samuel Hadida, and Chris Symes. We have production companies, Constantin Film, New Legacy Film, Davis Films, Film Board, Berlin, Breidenberg. We also have Capcom Company. Distributors on this were Pave Distribution. They helped for the 2002 United Kingdom theatrical release and Sony Pictures releasing help with the 2002 United States theatrical release. Had several release dates. I want to do the States first and then the United Kingdom second. So March 12th, 2002, it premiered in Los Angeles, California. And then March 15th, 2002, here across the rest of the States. And then July 8th, 2002, it had premiere in London, United Kingdom. 
and then along the rest of the United Kingdom on July 12th, 2002. All right, had estimated budget of about $33 million. Here in the States, it grossed $40.1 million, and worldwide, you might as well round it up and say $103 million. So I think this this little bit fits in better here rather than later on when we're talking about how what we think of the movie and shit. But I already mentioned that it's kind of loosely based on the game, right? Did you read any of the, the weird script drama and stuff? Not really drama, but so like Romero did a version of this script. Yeah, I did hear about this. Yeah. Which you would think fucking the Godfather of Zombies doing Resident Evil. Fuck no, yeah. Right, Why wow. not? Sounds like he tried to keep it kind of close to the game, too. Like, he did his research. Like, I don't I don't know if you can find his script anywhere. Yeah. I'd be interested in reading it. But, yeah, there might be one out there. But they rejected his script because it wasn't close enough to the game. Now, I don't think these decisions were back-to-back. I think it's because of the amount of different, like, production companies yeah. and people that have their say and... Specifically because I think at some point Capcom got cold feet. They ended up going with the Paul W.S. Anderson script because it was so far away from the game. Oh, interesting. And this movie's like, what, like 21 years old now? Something like that? It's weird. Yeah, yeah, roughly. Even though the movies were like almost a decade apart from each other, this and like Super Mario Brothers have a lot in common in the way that the people who held their IP didn't know what the hell was going to happen. This was still super early days of like adapting video, video games game, to yeah, movies. Man, sure was. So apparently Capcom ended up deciding to go with the W.S. Anderson script because it was further away because they eventually ended up deciding that they didn't want competition with the games. Mm. They wanted people to go play the games rather than go, well, Watch I don't need movie. to, I don't need to play the game. Yeah. I can go spend two and a half hours and get the For story. less money too. If you think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two hours versus who knows how much you dump into a game, which honestly I get the reasoning, right? It but I don't know sense if it's when you say it out loud, right? But, but in terms of like, ugh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to argue a little bit with the budget, and then you see the return. You're like, well, but but you're right. I mean, it's still in the early stages of all this shit, right? And so they were like, no, we better go with the the further away version. I know, but it, was, it is interesting. Like the what could have been had, you know, such and such. In this case, Romero, perhaps. Wow. Okay. And here's the thing: I very much respect Romero. It's not like he makes the greatest movies no, of all I agree. time. No, I agree with that, too. So I don't know if it necessarily would have been a better version either. I mean, because all of this is subjective, and I think we tend to lean towards, like, you know, stuff that's close to us. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. It doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to be better. Could have been a real big turd. Yeah. You know, that, it could go swing the other way, too. It could have been really boring, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Like how much, who knows, like how much social commentary would have been put into it and things like that. Mm -hmm. Who's to say? I don't know, but here we anyway. are. <laughs> All right, here we are. That's still, that's, it's good to know. It gives it a little bit more backbone and understanding of why we see what we see on screen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with that being said, our tagline on this is a secret experiment, a deadly virus, a fatal mistake. That's okay. Okay. 
All right, so moving into our cast, holy boy. All right, let's start off with Mila Jovovich. Weirdly Jovovich. stacked? <clears throat> yeah, really. I want Weirdly, maybe, but yeah, it, it's interesting. Let's put, yeah, for sure. It's it's interestingly stacked. Like I said, Mila Jovovich plays Alice, of course, in this film, as if she needs an introduction now, but let's go back a little bit, right? I remember her probably first from Days and Confused. That's my introduction. And then you know, probably I didn't the fifth see element. Dazed and confused till after the fifth element. Okay. So no, that's mm-hmm. yeah. In high school for me, or like maybe eighth grade, that film for whatever reason like was getting kind of passed around my little age group, and so yeah, there was a bunch of us watching that. Dazed and confused, that is. But yeah, fifth element, boom for me, put her really up on the map. Then stuff like the messenger, the story of Joan of Arc. She's in Zoolander, which is awesome. Of course, she reprises her role several times in the Resident Evil series as Alice. Uh, she was in, like, Ultraviolet, 45, which is really cool. The Fourth Kind, A Perfect Getaway. Ooh, I guess we can keep going on. I mean, she's kind of become a legitimate action star. Yeah. I mean, she made, like, several lists of, like, badass female actors or, you know, action stars, etc. So, yeah, it's no surprise there. She was in 2019's Neil Marshall's Hellboy and Monster Hunter from 2020. It's no surprise there. A bunch of television as well. So model, singer, she's done all kinds of shit. I think it's supposed to be pretty bad, but I really do want to see that Paul W.F. Sanderson Monster Hunter with yeah. her and Tony Jaa. It looked interesting. I will say yeah. that. It's like, if it's good or not, that's one thing, but it looked interesting enough. All right, we were talking about Michelle Rodriguez next, and she plays the role of Reyno Campo. Right? So with uh, that being said, a few things of note from her. She's been in a bunch of the Fast and Furious films, right, as Lada Ortez. She was in Girl Fight. She was in the film SWAT, 2005's Blood Rain. Yo, I loved Blue Crush. I don't think I've ever saw I know which one yeah. that is, but I don't think I ever watched it. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, she was in Machete, right, which yeah. is really cool. She was in Smurfs. She voiced uh, Smurf Storm. She also went uncredited as Gelda and Alita Battle Angel, which is really neat. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. She was in Lost, which is really neat for several seasons, 2005 through 2006 and 2009 through 2010. Video game work, too. So yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's really funny. You can pick it out because there's not a ton of voice actors they used. So once you know that you're listening for her, it's not that hard mm. to hear her. But she's some of the random Marines in Halo 2. That's pretty neat. Well, you're right. It's like, if you're really listening for her, you know it's her. Like, I want to say there was only maybe like eight different voice actors doing the Marines in Halo 2. Like, oh, shit. No kidding. <laughs> All right. And maybe, so be maybe two of them were female. So Okay. Yeah, I was like, it shouldn't be that difficult, right? Yeah. At that point. All right. Here's a really interesting, for me, I think is an interesting actor. This is Eric Mabius. He plays the role of Matthew Matt Addison, right? So little film I would recommend if you've never seen it, you want something a little off the, I don't know, off the beaten path is a film called Welcome to the Dollhouse. The movie is wild. Uh, he's also in Lawn Dogs. He was in The Crow Salvation. That's another one of those films I remember him from as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the film Inside Game. He was also part of the television series The L Word from 2004 through 2006, and then also, I think, in 2009. And he was also a part of Ugly Betty from 2006 through 2010. I always think of him as he's the actor 
whose name sounds like a character name, not really like a does. real person. Name. Yeah, that sounds like a stage name. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, like his his role in Welcome to the Dollhouse, it's it's funny, but I'm like, damn, that movie's so wild. All right, anyway, moving on, we have James Purefoy, right? Plays the role of Spence Parks, and a few things to note from him. We have him in A Knight's Tale, which is really cool. Yeah, he was in Prince Edward the Black. That movie's so good. He's in V for Vendetta, right? But I think he voiced it for a little bit and then was replaced with Hugo Weaving. Oh, yeah. Flick I dug that didn't get a proper release, and I it kind of hurt it. Or I always wished it would have grown a little bit better word of mouth, but I don't think it ever fully did. I don't think I could call it a cult classic, but he's Solomon Kane in the Solomon Kane movie. Yeah, I got that. And down. it's pretty fucking great. Solomon Kane is the other character made by Robert E. Howard. People always think of Conan the Barbarian. Solomon Kane's a fucking badass. He's like a Puritan witch hunter. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because I wrote that down. That's maximum next credit. He was also in John Carter. You might have seen him in High Rise, Ben Wheatley's film. He was a part of Rome, the television series from 2005 through 2007. Also part of the following from 2013 through 2015 and the television series Pennyworth from 2020 through 2022. Arguably, mm, I'm not ex- entirely sure how accurate I'm going to be with this. Arguably, Solomon Kane is the character that popularized the look that we have for witch hunters mm. and like even like vampire hunter D kind of apes Solomon Kane style nice. some sort of the hat and the yeah. cloak and the that's dope man no I mean if that's just like the uh, the archetype or mm-hmm. you know like prototype too maybe that's really cool all right so we've got Martin Cruz plays the role of Chad Kaplan a few things of note from him he was in DOA Dead or Alive and the film Patrick Evil Awakens all right we've got Colin Salmon oh he's Cloud and or Claude and Hair. Oh, okay, nice, dude. Nice. I forgot about... Sorry, I really like hair. Nice. All right, we've got Colin Salmon, plays the role of James One Shade. A few things of note from him, he was in three Bond films, which include Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day. He was also in Alien vs. Predator. You might have seen him in the film Matchpoint. He was in Punisher Warzone. He was also in Blood, The Last Vampire. Resident Evil Retribution, and he was a part of Arrow television series from 2012 through 2014. All right, we've got Colin McCluskey, plays the role of Mr. Gray. Some people might have seen him in the film Wimbledon. He was in the film The Contract, Anaconda Part 3, Offspring, and he was also a part of Doctor Who Dreamland, which was a TV miniseries back in 2009. Mm. All right. We've got Oscar Pierce, plays the role of Mr. Red. He was in A Midsummer's Night's Dream. He was in The Puffball, The Devil's Eyeball, and Captain America, The First Avenger. All right, we've got Indra Ove. She plays the role of Mrs. Black. So some of these people I'll mention, like Dr. Green, Mr. Black, these are essentially people in the elevator scene. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's who I'm <laughs> referring to. And a few people kind of in the beginning of the film. It'll make mm, more sense. Okay. okay. So Indra Ove, she plays the role of Mrs. Black. She was in the film Interview with the Vampire, where she played the New Orleans prostitute. Mm. Yeah. You would know if you saw her, because, I mean, she's she's very top-heavy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She was also in The Fifth Element, and she was in Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. All right. We have Anna Bolt. Plays the role of Dr. Green. A few things of note from her. She was in The Turn of the Screw, and she was also part of DOA, Dead or Alive. All right, here's an interesting guy. This is Joseph May. Plays the role of Dr. Blue. Right, One of those guys, like I said earlier on in the film, you don't really see him a lot. But if you look at his filmography and things of that note, 
Let's see here. He voiced Link in G.I. Joe Valor versus Venom, right? I mean, shows a lot of archival footage for some of the other Resident Evil movies along the lines, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's where it gets interesting, I think, is there was an actor who voiced kids' show, right? The only reason I know this is because I've got nephews and nieces who watch this stuff. But he voiced Thomas the Tank Engine, right, for the U.S. version of Thomas and Friends. The adventure began starting in, like, 2015, and he's done it since then. Wow. So, yeah, if you've ever heard that voice from 2015 up until more recently, you've heard Joseph May's voice as Thomas the Tank Engine. Good for him. That's what I was like. That sounds like a good steady gig to have. Well, if you're going to have one, that is not bad. Just a few other things of note from him. I'd take that job all the day long. Shoot, I bet you it pays handsome. I would too. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, he was in one episode of Band of Brothers back in 2001. He was Lieutenant Edward Shames. He voiced Ben and Scooter Get a Clue. So, I mean, this guy does like a lot of kid mm-hmm. stuff. It should be obvious. And I think he does some video game work too. Yeah. Battlefield 3, Kill Zone. Yeah, some mm. Lego stuff. Yeah, this guy's getting paid. Need for Speed, Payback. Blair Witch, damn, that's pretty cool. Cyberpunk 2077, yeah, so good on him. A few other people of note we've got here. I've got Robert Tanyan plays the role of Dr. Brown. The only thing of note from him, he was in the film Enter Achilles. We have Heike Makic. She plays the role of Dr. Lisa Addison. Right, a few things of note from her. She was in Love Actually, A Sound of Thunder in the Door. Now, her character is the sister of Eric Mabius's character. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah, 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 gotcha. Okay. All right, moving forward, we've got Stephen Billington who plays the role of Mr. White. Another gentleman's got some really cool credits. He was in the film Braveheart. You might have seen him in Dracula 2 and Dracula 3. He was also part of the Prophecy Uprising film. You might have seen him in Exorcismus. He was also in uh, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Some people probably know him from Coronation Street because he had a lot of screen time from 1998 through 1999. And he was also a part of Holly Oaks television series from 2013 through 2014. All right, we've got Fiona Glascott. She plays the role of Miss Golds. A few things of note from her. She was in Anton Chekhov's The Duel. She was in the film Brooklyn. You might have seen her in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and The Secrets of Dumbledore. And she was also a part of Julia, which is a television show from 2022 through 2023. And I've got, let's see, four other people, and that'll pretty much round out our cast and crew. I've got Pasquale Alierdi, plays the role of J.D. Salinas. A few things of note from him, he was in the film Jazz, Inspector Dupin, and I've Never Been to New York. We've got Liz May Brees. She plays the role of Olga Danilova, who is the medic in the film, right? She was in the film The Worst Witch, which is a Tim Curry and Feruza Balk film from like back in the early 80s. Uh, she was also an Alien versus Predator she was a part of the Bad Girls television show from 2005 through 2006. Some people might have seen her in Terry Pratchett's The Color of Magic, and she was also a part of Black Mirror, which was the Christmas special episode. All right, we've got Michaela Dicker. She voices the Red Queen, but a film of note from her, she was in the film The Sight. And last but not least, I have Jason Isaacs, who is the narrator, and he's like an unnamed doctor. But we talked about him on episode 62 when we talked about Event Horizon with Justin. I don't know if I want to go through his filmography. He's been in a ton of really it's, cool shit. Yeah, a lot of cool shit. It's you know? Jason Isaacs. Yeah, and it's like, we've talked about him before, and, and not that he's major in this film, but he is the narrator. Okay, so that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a setup. We should give you some um, some warnings. I almost said spoilers. <laughs> warnings. Like, there's some blood, yeah. light gore, mm-hmm. 
Like the gore's there, but it's pretty light. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there's there's action violence, violence and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, like it's an action horror. Yeah, so. gunplay stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Zombies. Yes. It's Resident Evil. Yes, a little bit of nudity. A little yeah, bit. a little bit of nudity. Nothing like super sexual, but it's you know mm-hmm. there's nudity it's there. That it. Language? Did we say language? Yeah, language. Whatever. Is there. We've cussed a lot this time already. I know. We probably already said like half of what they said. <laughs> I think that's it. I think it's time for us to just get into finding out how Resident Evil made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, man. Resident Evil kicking off another new block, although it kind of ties in with our last block of fucking zombies. Yeah, that's true. Action horror. Not just action horror. Early 2000s action horror. How did it make us squeal? Yeah, that's a good point. What did you think going back to this one was going to be like? Ooh, it was going to be like walking back in the early 2000s. (laughs) 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 That's how I started thinking about it. I was like, all right, let's think about it in these terms. For me, to give a little bit of perspective, is... Of course, we've already alluded to the fact that this is loosely based off of Capcom's Resident yes. Evil game, right, in series. So with that being said, I do have a history with the game, and I do have a little bit of a history with the film franchise. Not much of one, but a little mm-hmm. bit. So anyway, with that being said, this film came out within, what, a six, five to six-year span of the game first being released? Yeah. Okay. So it was still pretty fresh in terms of, like— playing the first two games and then this movie coming out. I'm like, okay, let me see what this is about. So I was still, you know, kind of in that fervor of this franchise. Yeah, because the first game came out in 96. Yeah, and I think the mm-hmm. second one's about like 98, something like that, 97, 98, maybe 99. 98, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the second one more so than the first, even though the first one kind of kicked off the whole, you know, phenomenon. So yeah, so I have a little bit of history, and then going back, thinking about it, it's like, oh, yeah, I was just telling you, like, oh, yeah, I would have been, like, 20 years old when this film came out, and I was thinking, did I see it in the theater? I probably did, but I can't recall, because, mm-hmm. once again, it's fucking 21 years ago. This film is older now than when I first saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I saw this in the theater. Going back to it, I had good memories of seeing it in the theater, and I know I've seen it since, though, maybe only once or twice, and it's probably been at least a decade since, you know, yeah, since the last time. But I very specifically remember coming out of the theater and being like, well, that wasn't much like the game. Yeah. But I could see the things they took from the game. And it seems like they set up for a version of number two, and it was two that I mostly played, so that had me hyped. Absolutely. For the same regards and sentiments, yeah. Even though this was my suggestion, I was pretty stoked to be doing this block. Like, I was a little bit hesitant because I didn't want to not like this movie. Yeah. And I think ultimately, it's fine. Yeah, no, I, I looked at it this way. We have a little bit of history with Paul W.S. Anderson because we've talked about Event Horizon, right? Right. So I was thinking about it a Which little luckily, bit. Which luckily, you know what? Thinking about his filmography, a mm-hmm. little bit of shade intended. I'm glad he didn't write. Yeah. Well, uh, to be honest, he did write this. Yeah, so, and that's the thing. You could t- yeah. go take a look at the ones he directed yeah. and wrote. I see what you're saying. Yeah. There's a little bit of a trend. That's a good point. And that's why I'm saying it's like it's it has his touch and feel to it because, I mean, there's a, there's a departure, of course, from Event Horizon in this film, but it's still kind of rooted in this, well, a little bit militaristic, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, 
a squad or a platoon of people. So he has kind of a little bit of that background and knowledge. And then you're confining it in this case, like a hive with spaceships. So you still have room for different rooms and shit. So he has kind of an idea of how to formulate this shit already, like visually conceptually. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't be a surprise why aesthetically it looks the way it does. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. So with that, I was like, all right, think about it in those terms. Like now you know who's done it. You have a little bit of a, an idea of how this film is probably going to get paced out and look and all that other stuff. But um, I don't have like any major gripe with it. I think, you know what my major gripe is, is there's not much to fucking talk about that. Yeah. I, as yeah. I was watching this movie, I'm like, oh, one of my notes is it's fine. Yeah. Which is almost the worst thing I can write on one of these pieces of paper, because when something's really good, we have things to gush on it about. Right. When something's really bad, we have shit to make fun of it about. <laughs> yeah. When it's fine, cool, it exists. Right. Like, I think for me, probably like the two highlights, if you will, for the film in my <laughs> viewing is the first one being when the Red Queen's chamber, it's laser defense, like activates. Because dude's scrambling to get the code in. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a, a memory for me and a scene that like, trigger that memory is like oh yeah this is something i remember the first oh, time yeah. watching the film was this sequence because it looks like oh yeah they have a chance and then that it starts to waffle you're like oh, no there's there's two things going into this that i knew i remembered very well and actually oh we'll get into this because it was actually kind of surprising the two things i absolutely remembered was the laser defense and her doing like the wall jump kick on the dog I was going to say that would, that kind of leads into my second one because the second one for me was like when she starts to realize she is a badass. She's mm -hmm. starting to piece it together. And it was during that sequence when she's, you know, getting like pigeonholed in these rooms, like, oh, fuck. And then the dog's like, oh, shit. But then, yeah, she's like, oh, no, I'm a badass. What I couldn't have told you in a million fucking years, and I don't know how. Let's put this into perspective. Like, those were the two things that were seared into my brain from the very first time I watched this movie, the very first time I watched this movie, I would have been 14 turning 15 in a few months. And somehow I forgot that this is the movie where you actually see Mila Jovovich's pussy. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You got to squint a little bit. Oh, there's the poon. But there it is. That's funny. I'm sure they've probably talked about it too. I don't know how I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't like... Yeah, specifically look for it, but yeah, I know it's there. But it's there. Yeah, it is. And you're like, oh, hey, I see you. Hi there. Salute. Hi there. <laughs> Salute. <laughs> Other thing, though, I was trying to think of, and I couldn't remember for sure. I don't know if I That's saw this or Cube first. Mm. Man, I almost want to say I think I've seen, I think I saw Cube first. I'm almost certain I did. Because I would have seen them both probably for the first time around this same time period. This probably would have been right in the heyday of me watching a ton of horror movies in high school because I was going to them on the weekends. Like, you know, this is action horror, but it's horror. It's fucking zombies and gore and blood and shit. <laughs> and so, like, I would have been watching this on weekends, but on weekdays, I'd be trying to watch fucking softcore late at night on fucking Showtime and HBO. And if none was on, then whatever, a movie was on. And it was usually a late night horror movie. And that would have been the first time I saw Cube was on that one okay. of the times. Nice, nice. And I don't know which would have came first. I was going to say, this is 
definitely going to date me, but I don't care at this point. It's like, whatever. The reason I said I think I watched Cube first is <laughs> because I remember watching Cube on VHS. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, by the time this film, Resident Evil, came out, I already had a DVD player. Because I think the first one I got was like probably like 99 or 2000, somewhere okay. around that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I would have seen Cube first because the VHS mm-hmm. would have been my like, oh, yeah. Yep, that's it. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure my first time watching Cube was probably on Showtime. So it makes it hard for me to remember when, because I I know when I was watching it a bunch, but like what order? I know, it's tough. It's tough thinking that sometimes. That's why it's like, I have to think about in those terms. I honestly think that this was probably first for me. Nice. But I probably would have seen Cube within like a year of seeing this. So it makes sense why some of the lines might blur, yeah. Man, like I said, this movie's fine, which is, it's it's good. Like I said, I didn't want to hate this movie. Right. Made it a little bit hard. Normally for these shows, we watch a movie. We've talked about it n- numerous times. We usually each watch the movie twice. Once to get like an emotional gut punch, once to sit there and write down notes. Absolutely, yeah. I watched this movie four times this weekend. <laughs> oh, wow. Because I just kept not being able to pay attention. And so I didn't really watch this movie. I'd watch like 15 minutes of this movie. Gotcha. Then yes. I was on this phone. Just watching little segments. And then the next, and then I'd be like, well, <laughs> I'm done with it. I don't really remember much. So I like, I put it on twice in a row the other night and just paid attention to different segments each time yeah, through. Yeah, Because I just could not, <laughs> and I didn't hate it. I didn't want to turn it off. It was fine. I just, it was nothing to grab me. No, I, I completely get with that, too, because I kind of feel the same in a sense. It's like, it's entertaining enough to where it's like, yeah, I can follow it, but it's not necessarily going to keep me along for, like, the long ride. It's like, yeah, I mean, this is cool. That being said, as much as, like, I wasn't, like, sitting there, like, on the edge of my seat, hooked in the action, hooked into what was going on on screen, when it finished... I almost put on the second one. So I will give it credit because it does keep you intrigued enough at the end. Of like, all right, well, let's see what happens because now she's kind of realizing who she is. I think the end of this movie is in a lot of ways, the most intriguing part. <laughs> Hard to disagree. Let's put it that way. Hard to disagree with that. Cause like, it's a fine action horror, but it's really just a prologue for who's Alice's character is. And now you're being dropped in like, oh, shit. Okay, so now Hmm. we know that she's the shit. Something happened. We're not quite sure what, but holy shit, no matter what had just happened of her getting fucking kidnapped and shit again, looks like shit's gotten even worse. Now what's going on? I mean, I kind of know what's going on because I did go watch those movies back in the day. (laughs) Right, exactly. But at that point, right, when this film was first released, you saying that out loud makes me wonder if that – or this film was kind of intentional in in terms of this is like the like this is the prologue going I think, into the next film. I mean, I think they've said pretty out loud in some interviews here and there that like this is meant to be like a prequel to okay. an alternate version of the games. Mm. And if that's the case, I feel that they did a pretty decent job of doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might have been lost maybe to audiences, reviewers, whomever. 
at the time. That's why I'm kind of curious about that. It doesn't seem that way because, like I said, the draw for it, probably off the backbone of the game, you know, of the franchise at that point, the I would draw, think. The draw yeah. continued for it. How many of these ga- movies have they made? Several. And I, it's because they I kept making money. Yeah. And you know why? Paul W.S. Anderson does not make good movies. He <laughs> yeah. makes entertaining movies That's that a solid are easy point. to sit through, easy to have on, easy to watch. Yeah. And it's hard to complain because, once again, you've already alluded to it. It's hard to, to like, okay, well, his formula works because just look at his numbers, look at what, what's happening. It's like, I mean, yeah, throw him some money. He'll make it, like I said, not a great film, but it'll keep people in their seats. Things are dumb, but they're not so dumb that they have you sitting there groaning. Right. It's just like, okay, it's movie shit. Yeah, it's standard, like, action movie dumb. Yeah. He and shoots things whatever. pretty. He's pretty <laughs> yeah. good at following the action and giving you... That's what I'm saying. It's, it's technically and all that shit, it's like, yeah, it's pretty formulaic, like I said once again, but hard to, like, really beat it up for it. Because, it, like I said, it, it does its job. There was some stuff, though, that, like, when I sat there and had to actually think about what was going on, I'm like, what the actual fuck? Why is all of the fucking virus in double helix glass tubes? I know, right? Well, my first kind of thought when I saw that dude just kind of randomly toss it, I'm like, God damn, they're just willy-nilly in this place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But I was just, like, looking at all that, and I'm like, this seems so unnecessary, Umbrella Corporation <laughs> is spending so much money having these double helix tubes fucking know, manufactured. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, but they do kind of set it up. When I say they, of course, the filmmakers, which is interesting. Like, there's a little bit, like, a little bit of social commentary in this film. In my opinion, when you look at Umbrella Corporation, I mean, that hell, it's it's kind of a... I don't know, like a hyperbole in a sense is like, you know what it means, mm-hmm. you know, because they set it up. It's like, oh, it, you, it's with the military industrial complex. There's like pharmaceuticals involved. There's special interest groups involved. They do it all. Like nine out of 10 people have products in their fucking home. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they own everything, dude. They, they run the entire show. No, a virus got out. <laughs> Man, I wish you would have. I wish we would have actually gotten to see the uh, elevator decapitation. Ah, uh, no, they can't. I will say that it's a good way to set you up when you think she's first going to get it. So what's really funny, though, is like when you think she's first going to get it, it's a good way to ratchet up the tension. When you think about it, she's not going to get it. She's going to get fucking whacked in the face. Mm. I know. that's. Dumb. It would have had to whack her in the face and then take her all the way to the top, which would have been even more fucked up. Ah, dude, that would have been sick. Yeah, but that's, once again, it makes me wonder, and probably more than likely, censorship and, like, we can't show that. This this ended up being R, right? I believe so. I can double check. I felt like a pretty weak R. I think you're right, because I can't see how it wouldn't. I don't see how this is. Pe- yeah, it's, a, it's R. Feels like a pretty weak R. I guess it is 2002, but, like... Still, it's like... Uh... I almost wonder if... There was a part of them that was pushing for the PG-13 and mm. then just didn't quite get in under the line and decided to roll with it. Yeah. It's like, well, we can play with the line and we can teeter with it. I can do that. I don't know. I mean, I guess the guy does get fucking waffle sliced, but. I do like that, man. I do like that. It's dope, right? Like, even though no, we've seen it before, right. it's dope. I still like it. Yeah, because it, it, 
it sets you up thinking like, oh, this guy has a chance to get out and he's just on the brink of putting in the code. He's just, you know, panicking and shit. Who wouldn't in certain circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. But no, (laughs) the AI is a little bit more intelligent, of course. Yeah, fucks him up good. And that was like, oh yeah, I definitely remember this sequence. I mean, I know, so adrenaline kicks in, being scared kicks in, but you're in a room, you're in a hallway surrounded by glass. Yeah. Glass focuses light. There's light emitting something just killing your teammates. You have a gun. Like, somebody should have tried to shoot the glass, right? You would think. I don't know. Maybe they were just not... That's one of those things where it's like, this set piece is dope. It's really dumb the second you start to think about it. But is it dope? Yes. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And, And that's probably more what it is. It's more like... Let's not think about that part. <laughs> we just want to showcase, mm-hmm. yeah, what we can do with this little CG shit and whatnot. But Alex said it looked good. It was effective. No, for me too, it was kind of neat seeing like a, a younger Michelle Rodriguez, you know. Oh, yeah. Like in an early role. I was like, okay. Yeah, you can kind of see where this film is also kind of, you kind of get what kind of character actor she is in a sense, you know. Like she does well in these type of roles, like these kind of badass female roles. Man, I know that there, we've done a few different action horrors, and some of them we've liked, but it still bums me out how hard it is to get the genres to fuse that well. Yeah. Because they basically just become action movies I where agree. Agree. the enemies are more horrific looking than your average human. Yeah. And for the most part, they're just there for, like, the fodder. Like, you, you know they're going to get shot up or killed or, like, maimed or something. No matter how badass they look, for me, <laughs> I'm kind of like I want to see them do some. I want to see them get fucked up. I want to see people get fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if these monsters look like that. Oh, good luck. Because <laughs> you know they're gonna fuck shit up. Right. Don't play with me. Yeah, I don't know. That was one of the things I kept thinking about though while I was watching it. I'm like, man, I know we've talked about it before, but these two genres, it feels like there should be something more there than there is. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe, I feel like if you're going to do action horror, and this gets off away away from Resident Evil in the movie we're talking about, but like, maybe if you were to do one as like a, a fucking period piece, mm. so you could set it back when the technology's there so that like, even minor supernatural threats are a bigger deal because you don't yeah. have the shit to deal with them. To me, it, it's more practical when you start thinking about that kind of stuff. And I don't know why people don't do that shit, man. It's like if lean you more into the survival side, right. I don't know. I guess they were trying no. to lean into the survival side in this one to uh, an extent. To but. an extent, yeah, to an extent. But I guess if there's things that you're going to try to depart from with the game and you know translate it into a film and, and loosely base it off of you know whatever, there's certain things you have to drop, and probably some of it is. That that was what I liked about the game was how kind of I don't know thing you felt claustrophobic at times felt like shit was mm-hmm. about to close on you and so that's where the panic and the adrenaline start pumping up and you're like oh any given moment this does it to a degree but it's like ah uh, it doesn't ratchet up the horror the way I like it to yeah it's just the zombies aren't like horror threats so much as they're almost just like extra 
puzzles to figure out in the rooms <laughs> as you're going through yeah, the hive. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it in like video game terms and shit. Yeah, it is exactly. They just get through those and then you're going up to the top floor or whatever. Yeah, like the the set piece of them like crawling on top of the piping over the fucking horde of zombie workers underneath. It looks pretty fucking cool. It's functionally no different from them doing the same on a path through lava. <laughs> yeah. Through uh yawning it's abyss. Just an obstacle course or obstacle. Yeah. Like it doesn't there's no reason it has to be zombies. It's <laughs> yeah. an adventure set piece. Right. It's not a horror set piece. And that makes sense. That makes sense. No, it's interesting when you think about it in those terms. But I don't know. I, f- I feel like, once again, if you're going to use mutations and supernatural, it's like, I really needed to really kick some ass. Like, almost to the point where it's like, almost no chance of survival. Yeah. I don't want any kind of glimmering hopes of that shit. It's like, yeah, there might be some, but I want to be a very imminent threat. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Kaplan's goddamn plot armor escape from that horde of zombies where there's like only he's surrounded, but there's like the only the one of them trying to bite him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, some of that. I mean, I get it. I get it. But I don't know, man. I God, see. Like I said, this movie sucks because there's nothing to talk about. It's right. a straight ahead action. I, yeah. And that, that's just it. It's like. We could be picking apart like little things, but it's like at the end of the day, really, honestly, it's a pretty decent film. And like we already said, it it's a setup or a precursor to what this franchise is really about going forward. Yeah. You know, character of Alice and everybody, of course, along the way she's going to interact with and so forth and such. You get more about the umbrella, more about these creatures. Zombies are out and about now. Yeah. You know, homeboys getting taken to the Nemesis program. Which I like. Does like That's a good touch because, once again, it's kind of alluding to the game and mm-hmm. some of the other creatures that are to come in the franchise as well. So, yeah, it does a good job of all that stuff. It's not bad. The CG's not bad. You know, early 2000 technology and, and yeah, it's not bad, dude. It's you got bad some Slipknot on the soundtrack, so I'm cool with that. Yeah. Like we've already said... Um, Ultrami, Marilyn Manson's on the soundtrack. <laughs> no, Manson hasn't really done, I think he only did one other film in terms of like scoring films and mm. shit, and the rest are basically his music videos yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, for those who are fans, that's cool too. But yeah, not too bad. It's neat that it kicked off what it did. Like, no, I there's agree. an entire franchise. I mean, way to go for Mila. I was going to say the same thing. It's like it really started like her venture into action films and i mean not that she didn't do with like the fifth element but this really i think really cemented it yeah like exactly catapulted her into a whole different realm Mm -hmm. of film yeah and she embraced it so good on her and honestly like i said like even though i'm not sitting here gushing about it yeah i am truly happy that like the memory wasn't ruined that like no this is a fine flick no that's kind of how i felt too i was like yeah it didn't blow me away but i also wasn't like disappointed or anything like that either no i was what I, I remember, like, yeah, it was okay. the couple things that I remembered, a few things I didn't. Yeah. I will say, you know what? I'm going to sit here and bitch one, no, one okay. other thing okay. that I, I realized that I, I do get to bitch about. Because it's a Resident Evil movie that we don't get a zombie till 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And even then, for the first hour, the biggest problem is that it's a sci-fi AI. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it really is. Evil AI movie. It does set it up that way. But yeah, of <clears> course... <throat> It doesn't 
ending that, <laughs> but that's okay. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It takes a little while to get into it. And I'm like, what the fuck, Resident Evil? Like, I remembered that going into it, but even way back in the day, I remember being like, okay, this is cool. And like, I like all the, the Alice in Wonderland references, yeah. Alice and the Red Queen and all this. And I remember even catching that as like a teenager being like, okay, I see what you're doing. Alice yeah. in Wonderland, but like, where are we going? Right. She's exactly. going down the rabbit hole. She's going down in the hive. Okay. <laughs> Which doesn't, it kind of pans out, but it, not really. It's not more really. just like fun allusions to the names. Uh, exactly. Like, oh, I want to drop. Yeah, exactly. And, and being that he's English, I mean, and all that stuff too, it, it only makes more sense. But I even remember that the first, you know, in the theater being like, this is Resident Evil, right? Red Queen, this is all cool, but like. Like, come on. <laughs> I know. Resident, Resident Evil, right? Uh, uh, yeah, you would think. But then the zombies show up and they're fine. Yeah, nothing too mind blowing. But I will say this: I will say this, kind of like you already alluded to. I'm still intrigued enough to at least go to the next one and then see what happens in the next one. Honestly, I feel like at a certain point they do start going downhill in quality, but in a way that makes them more entertaining to watch. Mm. I'll sacrifice a little aesthetics for entertainment. Yeah, I'd be up for in the future. Hitting some of the sequels. That's what I'm saying. I'm not opposed. That's kind of what I'm alluding to is I'm not opposed to continuing this franchise. It's just also. Eh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's okay. Like it has its place. It has its purpose. Not that I'm like, you know, I'm not bashing or anything and I'm not like a super fanboy either, but it's, yeah, it's okay. It's not bad. What I recommend it to people who are fans of, of the game have never seen it. Like, yeah, check it out. You might like it. You might not, but give it a chance. Yeah. We know what we're doing next week, right? Yes, we do. At least for the next three weeks, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So to keep in this same sort of vein, early 2000s action horror, we're going to move on to (laughs) Underworld. That's going to be fun. Which, it's been a while. I will say I know that I've seen it more recently than Resident Evil. Okay, that's fair enough. I think for myself, likewise. I'm almost certain. And I'll leave it at that, because we'll have more to talk about, I think. (laughs) That's cool. But for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments questions want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project you can always contact us squirmcast at gmail.com or you can contact us through our website www.friedsquirms.com scroll through our entire back catalog there or click the links up at the top as we are part of the earworm podcast network uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in fried squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>